Welcome to Kid Tech, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with the influencers, the creators, the app makers uh, behind the kids' digital media ecosystem. Today, I'm very pleased to be joined by Emmett O'Neill, who is CEO of TouchPress, um, very well-known app creator and publisher in the kids space. Um, they are, uh, they've been at the forefront of kids app development for many years. They've worked with Disney, Lego, Hungry Caterpillar. They have won an innumerable number of awards. Uh, welcome to the show, Emmett. Thank you very much, Dylan. Um, and I've been trying to, we've been trying to get this scheduled for some time because uh, I think the touch press and, and story toys story is really, really interesting. Um, before we get into that, um, can you introduce yourself? Um, you know, what, what, what's your, I mean, you come from more of a product background, right? Yeah, well, actually, originally I come from a graphic design and illustration background. Um, that's, that's where I started. Uh, that's where I started out uh, effectively 20 plus years ago. Right. Um, and at that stage, I was looking at CD-ROMs um, and uh, more, more kind of interactive educational products, but, uh, but very much, you know, dating it as, uh, the, during the CD-ROM era. So that's where, I, that's where I started out. And I spent probably about 10 years working in that kind of space. And as, as the sort of company and tech evolved, we sort of, we grew from being a sort of an eight person, eight person team in somebody's living room to being a... 200, uh, 200 or so company. I, I learned a lot about technology and I learned a lot about growing businesses along the way. Um, so I then, I then became really fascinated with, I suppose, that point that old media was facing at the time um, mm. where, where they needed to digitize. So I then, I spent a few years actually jumping around uh, where I worked for uh, film and TV companies, um, Element Pictures, setting up their, uh, their digital content uh, business and then I effectively did the same thing for an ad agency Rothko um, right. and then after that I, I basically moved into publishing and in publishing basically again helping a big old media company um, move move across the digital um, through Houghton Mifflin and along the way we basically we started making some apps um, so the rest is history I guess you know um, indeed, and and let's get into that history. Um, so, I mean, touch press and story toys, and, and before we started recording, you were sort of talking about how, to some degree, you know, those those names are interchangeable. But I mean, you started as story toys several years ago. You've acquired, you know, um, several companies along the way. You know, for the, the for people listening to this podcast, um, where would you describe the beginning of of story toys before it became touch press? Well, the beginning of Story Toys started um, started long before I joined, and and actually it was uh, uh, two brothers who um, who effectively had developed a a games and app engine. And my brother was working. My brother Barry O'Neill was working directly with those guys in terms of helping them sort of turn what was, I guess, an, a, a great app idea and app engine into a business. So, so we had Barry working with the Doolin brothers in, in story toys uh, on one side of the city. And then on the other side of the city, I'm working for Houghton Mifflin um, uh, designing apps. Um, uh, I was at the time working on things like Curious George, um, the, uh, basically producing digital versions of the book series. Right. And, um, and 
and the apps I was making under Houghton, which was only a tiny part of the job there, but the apps I was making were, were doing tremendously well. We got into the apps, Apple App Store Hall of Fame and, you know, we, we, we did over a million downloads and, and we did a lot of revenue. So I was making nice apps. But on the other side of town, um, Barry, had, Barry was working with the Doolins on making a really, really great app business. Um, now, Houghton, Houghton was many things, but it wasn't, uh, apps was not its focus. So I actually, I think it's one of those situations, if, if Barry and I hadn't been related, we probably would have started working together a hell of a lot sooner. But I joined them uh, seven, seven years ago. And, uh, and I, I think part of it was probably um, given Barry was uh, working, working with uh, two brothers, maybe he needed to, uh, to balance out the, uh, the brotherly stakes um, in, in the organization. But I, I basically came in to, to look after product at that point in time. Right. And um, yeah, you know, and, and again, at the time they were making original IP based on their, um, uh, based on their book engine. They, effectively, it was like a mm. interactive pop-up books was really what the, what the company was known for. Um, and one of the first things that I did was um, started talking to licenses um, and started talking to companies about basically trying to get, you know, I, I felt that, you know, much and all as I love working on original IP, I felt there was kind of a ceiling to that um, and to, to how far we'd, we'd get um, in that space. Um, so I started talking to brands and basically over the course of, uh, over the course of time, um, and based on the success I'd had in the former business, um, we, we managed to pull on board the, uh, the Hungry Caterpillar really was, our, was the first major license that we, we managed to land. And when, when was this, Emmett? Just timeline this first a little. It was about six years ago that, uh, that we would have signed up Hungry Caterpillar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for, for those that don't know, Hungry Caterpillar, it's the... I think the second highest selling children's book of all time and uh, Eric Carl, the author, um, you know, he's, he's produced uh, many, many other children's books and on our license, it's, it's quite broad in that we have the sort of the interactive digital rights to produce work based on Eric's art in, in really in any context. Um, so it's, uh, we've, we've not just done Hungry Caterpillar with him, but, but brought many of his characters to life. And um, Eric, is, uh, Eric is still alive and well. He's, he's been absolutely wonderful to work with over the years. Hmm. And then, you, so you scale the company up from that point um, because you, you acquired or sort of merged with then TouchPress at some point. So, so, yeah, bridge, so, so bridge that journey for us. Absolutely. So, so we basically, we, um, you know, we, we scaled the company up. We started producing um, multiple apps, both, uh, both in the kind of original IP space. And, um, and also we started doing a lot of work um, in the Unity Games engine, which, uh, you know, as I, as I said, uh, one, of the, one of the original points of the company was that, that they had their own, their own engine. But of course, when you're, when you're sort of dividing your energies between engine development and, um, and also making content, uh, you, you can do a lot less. So, so we started making content in, uh, through, through uh, Unity 3D as well. And that was kind of, um, that was a bit of a game changer for us in terms of allowing us to, um, to, to do a lot more. So Story Toys was growing very nicely, but, but what we found was we just, our audience went to about six years old, um, six, seven years old. Mm. And then, and, and we had developed this great ecosystem, like really, really solid ecosystem where when we brought out an app, even if we didn't really get a lot of Apple featuring or Google featuring, um, we could still drive substantial traffic uh, to that app through cross promotion. So 
we basically we had this really really good ecosystem of um of basically moving our users into new content and new apps but the problem is you know as as is inherently an issue in, in children's media your your audience um is is constantly aging out so what we wanted to do was to find a way to um to create a continuous learning journey um so that we could basically take those take those six and seven year olds and go okay we can see their usage is decreasing maybe it's time to push them onto um some slightly older oriented content um so so we basically we looked at you know it was it was naturally i think a time of consolidation within the app space um i think there was there'd been a huge flurry of initial interest um from from publishers uh from media companies um you know from from entrepreneurs there there had been a lot of interest in the space in the early days and then effectively um you know people just didn't see the returns that that, that they were expecting and and the space started to um uh to to not look quite as exciting um but uh it for us um you know that that uh, turned into an opportunity in that it gave us the ability to to look around the space and go okay if we're about to enter a consolidation period um you know what does that look like for us what should we be taking on board what should our future portfolio look like and and we basically through through a combination of mergers and acquisitions tried to create a portfolio that spanned effectively from two years old, you know, right the way up to right the way up through college. Mm -hmm. And so what does your business model look like today then? So, um, you know, the, the app business, it's, uh, it's changed so many times along the way. I mean, you know, when we first started out, as I said, we were, we were looking at, um, we were looking at original IP, then we moved into licensed content. Uh, there was also the transition from, a paid model to a freemium model um, during that period, um, which was which was really disruptive at the time. And I guess uh, the, the the watchword of the of the company really was pivot. Um, but over the course of uh, I would say the last um, yeah over the course of the last two years, two years ago we launched our first subscription product, and since then every product that we make has been um, really focused around. Uh, basically, like a you know a, a, a more consistent um, revenue generation model. So, so, so for example, previously, effectively, we put out about um, we we put out as many as twenty apps in a year. You know, which is just hmm. like I, I look back on it and my mind boggles as to how we even managed it. But we were putting out about twenty apps a year, and it was effectively a hits-driven business. So, you know we were lucky in that we had more hits than misses, but, um, but the reality of it is it was just this continuous churn of novelty. Mm. Um, whereas now, uh, now we really focus very, very heavily on just three apps, but those three apps are all about, um, uh, continuous lifetime revenues, um, are, are at least capturing a customer for two or three years. Uh, and that can be in, in, in some cases, that's through subscription, but in others, it's about um, multiple in-app purchases and and continuing to refresh apps with new content, so that you're actually, you know, having taken the trouble to acquire a user, which we all know is is hard work and expensive. Having taken the trouble to acquire a user, we're making sure we're servicing that user with uh, with with sufficient content to um, to to last them their duration of of I guess developmentally of 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 interest in the app, you know. Right. And I want to come back to the kids app 
um, ecosystem a little later on. Um, what, you recently launched um, a new product with Lego. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, so, so the, that product, uh, Lego Jupla World, we launched it about six months ago. And, um, you know, honestly, it's, uh, it's you know, I, I've been lucky enough uh, in that most of the licenses, in fact, sorry, all of the licenses that we work on, um, they, are, they are brands that I love. And that makes my job really, really easy. As I mentioned at the start, my, my background is not commercial. My background is, uh, is, is, is effectively, you know, coming through graphic design and illustration. So the, the, the interesting thing is when you get, uh, when you get something like Lego, um, you know, if you're passionate about it, you believe in it, then it's, it's a great opportunity to, to design something that is, um, that is, I guess, for the fans of that product. So I, I really was coming to Lego as a, as, as a fan of that. And, um, uh, and basically we've, uh, I think we've, we've made something, um, it's specifically with their Duplo brand, but we've made something that, that really seems to, um, connect and resonate with Lego's kind of core brand values. Mm. Um, um, so yeah, it's, it's been really very, very exciting. And what's it like working with a toy company from a, a developer's perspective? I mean, you know, yeah. you, you talked about connecting on, on core values, which, which I'm sure is the case with Lego, but you know, ultimately they are, they are, you know, you would describe them as sort of a physical play company rather than a digital play company. Uh, absolutely, but I mean, I, I think like I'm my mind is constantly uh, blown by by Lego's approach to things. Um, I've never come across a company that um, that that actually lives and breathes its values. Um, you know, every every company has the the statements they make about who they are, what they believe. Uh, I've never seen a company that um, that holds firm to its values uh, to the extent that Lego does. And uh, you no, know, they're really they're. They're um, they're an absolute pleasure to work with. Um, they've they've been uh, a very generous and supportive partner, and um, you know I, I I honestly look forward to to, to doing business with them for many years. Um, do, but do you think? I mean, like I I guess sort of where I'm going with this is is sort of looking at toy companies and the evolving idea of sort of what is play for kids today in 2020, right? Like I mean I mean do do you think like, do you think a company like Lego or, or any of the other Toycos, do you think they look more like games companies 10 years from now? I, you know, I, I'm not sure that a games company is right, but they are, they, I would call them content companies. Mm. So I think if you, if you look at somebody like Lego, I mean, they're, they're doing so much in terms of um, um, new play patterns, new exper new finding new ways to basically uh, um, to, to utilize uh, Lego bricks in, mm. in a play concept. I mean, they have, you know, they have a lot of cutting edge, uh, cutting edge tech going on. Anything from, um, I mean, albeit, uh, albeit everybody knows the sort of the initial wave of toys to life, whether that was Skylanders or Lego Dimensions or whatever, right. uh, Disney Infinity. That you know, it it is it, it did suffer, but um, but you know that that innovation um, was 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 actually pretty phenomenal, and I think that will pave the way for many more products. And you know, when the when when the world is more ready for those, um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think I think Lego have some great. Uh, great innovation going on in terms of their sort of their lego hidden side uh content um but i i mean i think the very fact that they are now getting companies like ourselves to work with them um to make digital a core strategy for their 18 month plus line mm. um, is indicative of their mm. um of their 
their in their interest in in the game space. And and I think you know if they don't, if companies like that don't continue to um, to both produce great content, whether that's movies, uh, TV shows, or 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 whatever else it might be, um, then you know they're. Uh, they're they're dead in the water. Um, Do, but on that on that content point, um, you know, I'm always sort of interested in in sort of video versus interactivity as a as sort of a play vector for kids. I mean, do, do you think the kids app ecosystem is being or has been eclipsed by kids video? I, I mean, I think video video by its nature is is an instant and accessible medium it's instantly right. shareable it's instantly um streamable you know there's there's a friction to downloading an app that isn't there with um uh, with 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 streaming uh, video um now i i think the other aspect to that is um you have a a depth of experience um and a a uh a more enhanced educational offering um available uh through through an app than you will get through most videos um you know it's, it's a broad comparison when you're talking about media but um but but fundamentally um yeah absolutely it's uh the, the numbers are higher with video but i mm -hmm. do think we're we're seeing a lot of um i, I do think we're seeing uh, a depth of engagement with the apps and and a proven um a proven level of um I guess educational content that you're just not necessarily seeing in the same way in video. So mm. I think over time we'll we'll see the friction of apps uh, reduce. Mm. So you know even even two years ago we were producing HTML5 3D HTML5 content for right. the Japanese market. You know, and again the the barrier on that. I mean you're you're literally you're using your phone browser you're using your computer browser it doesn't matter what you're on mm. you can just view that content mm. and and I think we'll see more and more of that um um you know is, the, the the barriers being reduced you know is that I mean how does the I suppose the general developer ecosystem play into that for for either case right because when you look at um when you look at video right whether it's youtube or, or anywhere else and you look at sort of the kids, the kids app ecosystem, right? Versus the kids, kids video content ecosystem. It feels like the, the support and services that are available for video are more extensive or more developed than for kids app developers. Is that a fair assessment? I, I, I think it is, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I think again, any of, these, any of these things basically follow on from, um, uh, you know, it's, it's kid tech effectively using uh, media that's been developed or tools that have been developed for the creation of um, content for, for grownups. Um, so, so I think, you know, yes, absolutely. We're, we're, we'll see that, um, that, that a platform like YouTube, which obviously does not start out like a, did not start out as a children's platform has evolved in right. to be somewhat of a, albeit arguably a, to, to basically a quality uh, children's platform. I mean, we all know mm -hmm. the, um, the, the, the stories uh, of, of kids being sort of two clicks away from uh, horrendously inappropriate content in a YouTube setting. Um, but, you know, I think these, these tools were developed for adults. Um, um, they have a secondary life as, as, kids, as kids' tools. Yeah. I think there's probably more being done um, for kids from the ground up in the app space, maybe, maybe, you know? Oh, that's an interesting statement. So, I mean, like, uh, like, how do you consider the state of the kids app market today? 
Yeah, it's a, you know, it's it's an unusual one. I mean, today today is uh, is is I guess um, a, a little bit different to even well, you sure. know <laughs> three months ago. Yeah. But um, um, but but certainly, you know, I like there there are. It's it's an interesting environment in that say if I. There are there are maybe you know ten. Uh, six, half a dozen, maybe maybe a dozen um, kids app companies out there, all, you know, worth, uh, worth worth mentioning. With any of those companies, um, we have really strong connections, really strong relationships. Um, you know, we we all try and meet up um, at conferences, and you know, we all try and help each other out. You know, but there's literally there's there's nobody in any of those companies that I couldn't phone up, ask for a favor, or vice versa. So hmm. it's a nice, harmonious um, industry. Hmm. Um, and and that's because everybody's trying to figure this out. Everybody has been trying to figure this out over the last number of years. Right. Um, and so if you if you look at sort of um, if you look at the space, I guess you know um, five years ago, five years ago, um, when you'd go to something like an app focused conference, there were you know every company was represented. There were hundreds of attendees. Mm-hmm. Those same gatherings now are significantly smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, there has been. Um, you know, such a such a, a level of consolidation around these things, and um, and honestly, a lot of companies in the space have failed. But the ones that are still there um, are actually doing pretty well at this point. And and it, it's it's been there's been a shift away from um, uh, somewhat from that kind of novelty approach of what's the new app, what's the new gimmick, um, to you know to what, how do I make a sustainable business? Right. And, and I, think, I think we're seeing more sustainability in the businesses in the space now. And, and I mean, when you think about the support and functionality coming from the actual App Store platform owners, what would be on your wish list for things, additional things you'd like to see to support um, that kids developer community? Yeah, I, I think, again, it's the, my emphasis is on, um, on moving away from from novelty and uh, focusing on sustainability and and to be fair i think certainly um um apple and google have made major inroads in 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 those areas in the, over over the last uh over the last you know year or so um i i think um you know whether it's whether it's um using things like uh google's new play for families or whether it's um um you know, even just the kind of the the sort of the type of things that are featured, uh, you'll still you'll see nowadays there there's a little bit more of a focus on um, on on making sure that those businesses are sustainable. So more more of that, I think, is 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 key. You know, mm. um, um, let's talk about COVID nineteen a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, sort of across the board, kids' screen time has exploded um, as as the the global school shutdown continues. Presumably, you're seeing something similar. Can, can you talk about the trends you're observing uh, across your own yeah. portfolio? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, you know, honestly, we've we, we're coming into this off um, off the back of um, a, a really good run for the company. So, I mean, from sort of from from September October, we've just we've we've been seeing continuous solid month on month growth. I think there's a lot of things we've been doing for the last couple of years that have finally kind of clicked into place. Um, so we've 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 had a really good trajectory um, for the last um, uh, for the last six eight months. Um, but um, suddenly, you know, once once COVID started hitting, um, you know, of course the, the the numbers just kind of went through the roof. Um, so 
you know, I, I, I think like for, I think for example, um, I think our revenues for April were like, you know, maybe four X what they were for uh, year on year, you know? Hmm. Um, wow. So um, now some of that, I, I'd say, I'd say we would have, without COVID, we would have probably been two, 2.5 to three X. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's absolutely, it's, is that like a, um, I suppose a sustained change? Is, is that like trends that are accelerating? Is, is that kind of more of a transient, you know, like kids are at home? How do you interpret that? Yeah, so I, I think there's there's a couple of factors to it. Firstly, um, every every day is a weekend, you know, um, like basically in terms of we you, you would typically in the in the normal run of things, you would see a very different um, revenue and download numbers on Saturdays and Sundays versus rest of week. So what we're seeing now is right. there's actually no weekend spikes, but but basically every day is mm. is is effectively like um like like weekend in terms of uh, usage, access, downloads, and, uh, and and revenue. So there's there's that aspect to it, which which obviously uh, makes a big difference. But I think what's what's been interesting is this is our our downloads have not increased um, as exponentially as as revenue has. Um, so our downloads are up, but they're not, they're, they're not huge, but this is where the right. fact that we have 70 million downloads of our apps over the years really comes, uh, comes into play because people are picking up old devices or picking up their, just re-engaging with their, um, with their tablets and what have you and seeing what's on it, engaging with that content and, uh, and, 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 and purchasing. So, but I, I do think there's also, I think there's actually quite a large cohort. I mean, you know, we we all know the sort of the the screen time debate you know how do i let my kids on a device before they're before they're 5 years old do i you know how how long do i leave them on it the screen time debate has been kind of largely kicked to the curb um sure. uh, at least temporarily um um and and you know as part and parcel of that i think we're seeing a cohort of new users to the space and there there's a couple of reasons i'd say that um um, that, that these are not just the usual people downloading apps. This is a much, much wider demographic. Um, um, like, so for example, typically, I think we get something like um, 80% of our downloads come from browsing the app store and 20% come from search. So somebody going in and literally typing in Hungry Caterpillar into the search bar of the app store. Mm. Um, whereas now it's more like 50-50. Mm. So that suggests to me that there's a there's a user behavior that's fundamentally different where um where somebody's going into a store they're not that familiar with it and they're just typing in the name of something they know right. into um into a search bar right 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 and if you were um uh like uh, as we sort of wrap up this episode for all the other um developers out there who are listening to this or perhaps people that are thinking about setting up their own sort of kids app or kids app development shop like what would you be if you know if, if you were starting touchpress today and building a kids um app publisher app developer for the future how would you be thinking i you know i like this is this is um this is a question i i'm asked reasonably frequently um particularly at, at conferences and what have you um and and honestly I think I think it is a very very difficult space to come into at this point in time. Um, uh, you know, our, our biggest asset is is our 
is the huge user base that we have. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a tough space to, I think it is a tough space to establish yourself in. And, um, um, and, and the danger of any new party coming in is that they basically just become the, they become the novelty act. act. Right. So your right. best case scenario uh, is, is very often a one hit wonder, yeah. you know? Um, I think I, you know, like sadly my, my, my best, uh, the best piece of advice I can offer somebody is uh, start your business five years ago, um, <laughs> which uh, isn't necessarily the most practical. Um, so the best advice is to first invest in a time machine. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, well, Emmett O'Neill, uh, CEO of TouchPress and Story Toys, thank you very much for joining us on Kid Tech Today. Thank you very much, Dylan. Much appreciated.